Welcome to Leading to Sales. We are on our Thursday edition this week, and believe it or not, we are almost halfway through May 2021. And I am excited for our special guest today because Skip Miller is, he's recently written an amazing book, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, but it's called Outbounding. And it's he's really beginning, or he's not beginning, really, he's bringing back what used to be the norm in the sales and business development culture. And he's he's already trained thousands of people on this. Like I said, he's got this book out and we're going to go through and talk about the culture of outbound sales and what may have changed here in recent months, recent years, and what the impact of the pandemic is going to be. And I'm telling you, we could not have a better expert coming on to discuss this with you. So I'm excited to have Skip on. We'll both be back to discuss outbound sales right after this. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Hey, Skip. Welcome to the show. Hey, perfect opportunity. Glad to be here. Thank you for that time. Absolutely. Appreciate you for coming on. I, I'm really, I'm genuinely excited to go through some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today because I think that it has become more and more culturally accepted when it comes to sales in today's environment that outbound is almost a four-letter word um, <laughs> or it's or it was becoming a four-letter word. <laughs> yeah. Brett, Brett, we tell people that every salesperson on the planet wakes up in the morning with what we call the sales question. And the question is, should I prospect or outbound today or should I poke myself in the eye with a pencil? Because <laughs> both are going to hurt. So, it, and it's it, a toss-up. It, it is. It is. <laughs> well, if I, if I poke myself in the eye with a pencil, I go to the hospital, I have to prospect. So it's kind of funny. This yeah. is true. This is true. Um, but So before we dive into everything, because I would love just to dive into everything head first, and we will. Um, but just tell, tell everybody who's tuning in um, who may not be familiar with you a little bit about how you've landed. I mean, you're currently the the president and founder of M3 Learning, and you have just released this amazing book called Outbounding, Win New Customers with Outbound Sales. And I love the the follow-up to this and end your dependence on inbound leads. <laughs> I love wow. it. Um, so tell us just a little bit about yourself and how what kind of inspired you to write this book. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I was a salesperson, number one in the country, and I dropped to number like 200 in the country because I thought I was really good and figured out that you got to really put the customer first and kind of learned my lesson, was a sales manager, VP of sales, ran a couple companies. About 20 some odd years ago, I live in Silicon Valley. So um, started my own company to do sales and sales management consulting and training. And we get a lot of great companies. Like, you know, we started with Tableau and they had 20 people in the company. We started with Zoom and there were like three people in the company. And we've been doing this for a while. And, and they're just fun companies to work with. Um, with Outbounding, uh, it was about six months before the pandemic. I was talking, this was like June of 2019. And I was talking to some salespeople. I go, well, how are you going to do for your number? And they go, well, I got 80%. I got, I got it down. I go, what are you going to do for the other 20? And they go, yeah, I'll probably have to do some outbounding. I go, well, how's that going for you? And they said, well, I wrote a guy an email last week, and I'm still waiting to hear back. And that was it. That that was the extent of it. So everybody's, they got so dependent upon inbound leads, you know, following up on these inbound leads and stuff, which is great. It's low-hanging fruit. But if you want to go after the real decision makers that we call the above-the-line buyers and where all the action's happening, you got to do it yourself. And it's not that hard. 
best companies we see, the best people, they may spend an hour a day maybe, but I mean, you got to have a system down. And we, I think we captured a, quite a few good, uh, good best practices in the book. I agree. And that's in reading through the book myself. One of the things that really stuck out to me was you both address this existing mindset of why outbound matters, if you will, why we should still be outbounding. But you also get what I call down and dirty tactical. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of that in books. I feel like it's missing often of, Hey, here's the mindset. Here's the mindset. Here's the mindset. And you leave people at the end of the book going, okay, now what do I do? With what do this? I do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do I do? Well, the first thing, I mean, I wrote the book, I was halfway through and I threw it away because it wasn't saying the right things. If you're a salesperson and you got a territory, you owe it to your customers in your territory to go find people who might be able to use your stuff and make money with it. They're losing revenue, they're losing profits, and they may be laying off people because they don't have potentially something that you're offering. And if they could use what you're offering, they'd buy it because they're gonna make money with it or save cost or whatever. So don't think I'm pushing myself onto your customers. You know, oh, I don't wanna impose, no. You owe it to your customers in your territory to introduce yourself and at least find out what their challenges and issues are and if you can make a dent in it. I mean, that's yeah. not I mean, with that attitude, you become like a super person and you want to go out there without a doubt. So right. it's that attitude that really kind of helped. I got tired as a VP of sales of setting my salespeople to, to training classes and they'd come back and they'd do you know big charts and graphs, but at the point of attack in front of the customer, they didn't change anything. So our stuff is very, we, we, we say tactics before strategy in a process. Because if you don't know how to bunt, if you don't know how to, you know, steal second, if you don't know how to take a pitch, I don't care if you can hit the ball out of the park, you're not going to get that sweet ball all the time. So you have to become a complete, you know, seven tool baseball player if you want to play. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it sounds like really the, the basics of it is, is, you the I guess you could say the key is getting back to the foundations of realizing the mindset that you're approaching sales with. I mean, it's it's really that I owe it to people to help them, not that people owe it to me to listen to me or, you know, I'm going to try to invade their space or if, if you will like that. And that's one of the things that I've even noticed when when, you know, whether I was doing outbound stuff myself or I'm talking with people who are doing outbound is the success ratio is in direct proportion to the amount that you actually genuinely think that your product or service can help somebody. Um, and so how do you see, cause for, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have varying mindsets on outbound, sure. especially salespeople. Like you're saying, poke myself in the eye with a pencil yeah, or go do outbound or prospecting. Brent, I remember, I remember going to a convention center where I was supposed to go booth the booth and offer things. And I ended up, you know, like, no, I need a, Another cup of coffee. No, I, don't think. I hated it. I, I hated the rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of failure. You know, I hated somebody looking at me like it was less than a normal human being. Oh, you're a salesperson. I, mean, <laughs> I, I hated it. Yeah. But then with my attitude adjustment was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that if you think I'm that way, but I'm here to make you money. Yeah. And if we can help you with your revenue line, help you get rid of the things that are slowing you down, help you get rid. So in my world, right, um, quick story. A couple of years ago, in like November timeframe, I'm talking to the VP of sales and the president. The president goes, this is perfect. This is great. The VP of sales, this is great. The president goes, well, why don't we do this like in like uh, uh, you know, April? 
I'm like, well, you could do that in April. I mean, if you want to, but why wouldn't you do it now? Well, you know, budget this. I go, let me ask you a question. Next year, how much is your quota going up? And he looked at the VP of sales and goes at least 25%. I go, great. So let me ask you a question. If you're going to try to raise revenue 25 points next year, why would you want to do it with nine months of smart people and three months of stupid people? <laughs> no, I mean, you're paying me to make so people true. smarter. So it doesn't matter to you. It's a fiscal year if you pay in January or April. So yeah. I don't understand why you would take that risk of having three months of stupid people. And yeah. he goes, I never thought of it that way. I mean, you have to have that attitude that you can make your people money in a B2B world. It's about revenue and cost, guys, or market share or time to market. There's soft dollar things, but that's the attitude you have to have, Brett. Yeah. And so when you're, because I, I, there are a lot of different folks that I've dealt with. And I know a lot of the people that are tuning in are sales leaders or business development leaders, sales and marketing, whatever, however, however whatever title they have, it's business development. Yeah. And they're working with sales teams, especially more than ever. Um, and I say this at risk of making a lot of people irritated at me, but I don't care <laughs> um, that we're not raised in a human to human world. Um, you know, there's a lot more millennials that are coming into the workforce. It's one of the largest for one of the largest work parts of the workforce now. And like you're saying, outbound scares them to death. Oh, it drives me crazy that my kids constantly text, pick up the phone and call somebody. <laughs> I mean, why do you think? Just pick up the phone and call. I'm waiting for them to text me back. Pick up the phone. Spend two minutes on a phone call. I mean, so I hear what you're saying exactly. So as sales leaders, how do we overcome that gap? How do we begin to help our teams really develop that right no. mindset and understand the value that they're bringing? Uh, I'm a data person. I, I ran DataQuest for a while in North America. It was part of Gartner Group and stuff. I'm a data person. The data says a couple of things. Number one, the most effective way of outbounding is using the phone, without a doubt. Now, yeah. when, the, when the person gets on the phone and they go, hello, people go, whoa, that's like a call. I was, I was <laughs> expecting voicemail. I wasn't expecting them to be on the phone. So I'm laughing got, because I've done this much. Yeah. <laughs> so as a culture, right? You have to create the atmosphere of we're on a mission to make our people in our territory money. So when they pick up the phone, it's not quickly, let me take everything in my head and put it in your head so you see why we have a common area to, to talk. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't work. It didn't work when I was trying to go, go on dates before I was married. Hi, let me tell you a little about me so you'd be interested in me. That never worked. So why would it work here? Silly. The second thing from a sales leadership position, right? is you got to make your people smarter here. Yeah. This muscle of outbounding, the, the, I am a huge fan of Napoleon Hill and the fears of man. Fear of the unknown, fear of poverty, fear of failure, fear of, fear of the unknown. These fears hold people back. Yeah. So as a sales culture, create contests, make it fun. We have a customer, Brent, that at the end of the week gives out four awards. Talk time, whoever had the most talk time, Number of contacts above the line, C-suite contacts, mm -hmm. number of meetings booked, but the big award every week is the jerk of the week story. And whoever can have the best, on Thursday, people are dialing like crazy trying to find a jerk because they <laughs> want to contribute to the jerk of the week story. It's a great metaphor for how to overcome this fear of rejection and stuff and so on. And as a culture, you could put these things out there and Give those little positive rewards because you know what? The odds say, you know, 90% you're going to get rejected. Number yeah. one, phone calls, number one. Number two, 
multimedia is definitely twice as effective. So just using the phone or just using the email is 50% less effective yeah. by using social, email, and phone. Because face-to-face is starting to come back. You'll see it more in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But by using multiple different contact points, you're twice as effective. Those are tough odds to beat. So if yeah. I'm the sales leader, guys, you know, here's a book on phone skills. I mean, let's just go. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so one of the things that, because I know a lot of our listeners are in industries that they are, they have, they have a large field sales presence. So they did pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and and focus what I call one channel. <laughs> it's yeah. either boots on the ground, or maybe there's some phone in there if they can't quite get boots on the ground. So what are the pieces that maybe a lot of those leaders are missing out on? I mean, is it really just shoring up this multi-channel approach or what are they missing out on by only having a single one channel? Of the, one of the biggest, and again, I probably did six months of research, talked to a number of good companies that do this really well. And when you look at the data and stuff, it was fascinating that a typical salesperson's outbound approach is three touches in a two, three window. Three touches, an email, a phone call, and an email in a three-week window. Now, when you reverse that and look at the customer data, if, the, if there's a gap in touches longer than two or three days, they forget who you are. Yeah. So this whole frequency illusion thing is fascinating, where the more you stay in touch, the more it starts building rapport. It's like you're going down to the store and you see a, a, a Chevy. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you're looking for Chevys. You find more Chevys because you're looking for them. The same thing with touches in a campaign. Yeah. The best programs we've seen, and again, if you sell something for $50 versus $500,000, it's going to be a little different. But right. the best touches we've seen are 10 to 12 touches in a two-week window. Yep. And, and you all of a sudden, the first, thing I, the first thing I hear is that's spamming. The customer thinks you're hustling. And the customer appreciates it because they're like, oh, man, I got to call up. Oh, gee, I forgot. As long yep. as the message is about us, Two-week window, 10 to 12 touches works. Now, the second biggest thing is the messaging. Why do we still constantly use the word I? Hi, I would love to help you. Well, first, it's about you. And second, you don't even know what I do. How do you know you can help me? Yes. You really got to work on the messaging. The messaging better be make me curious or be somewhat about me, not about you. Yeah. I read one the other day, Brett. Hi, I'm so-and-so from the ABC company. We're located in Boston, Massachusetts. We've been around. Why do you think I care what you That's an instant delete, man. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I, you know, we all get them on a daily basis, especially, uh, you know, when you're above the line, it's, it's like I get 150 emails a day and I can see in, in the little email preview, hi, my name is. And I'm like, nope, I don't care what your name is, but you go into like laying out what a cadence looks like and all yeah. that in this book. And, and yeah. I've, I've not mentioned this uh, via audio, but for those of you, cause you, I know a lot of you will be tuning in later on the podcast. If you want to pick up Skip's book and I would highly encourage it if you're in any way, whether you are individually doing business development or you have a team that is that you are leading doing business development, go to getoutbounding.com. That'll take you directly to Amazon to Skip's book and you can order it. Um, but I would highly encourage you to get this because like I said, he gets real nitty gritty in this book um, and lays out. And it's it's not another one of those sales books that you're going to throw on your on your shelf and think, well, God, I read that. And now I, now I can think about it some more. Yeah, so, Brett, you just mentioned something really well. You get on your phone, right? 
for the most part, you blow through the subject line and you read those first 10 to 14 words. Yes. That's where, as an organization, you want to really spend your effort because yeah. the first 10 to 14 words I typically see is, hi, I am the sales development rep for, that's an instant delete. So don't <laughs> worry about subject lines so much. I mean, they are important, but right. those first 10 to 14 words is what I see on a phone. So yeah. that's something, I mean, that's a very tactical tool. I'm sorry to get down on the weeds, but no, it's, it, it's all part of being successful in outbounding rather than just doing outbounding and hoping something comes in. You're going to get 3% response that way. We've yeah. got people getting 30% response by doing the right stuff. So tell me this, because, you know, being a marketer myself and, you know, like, I, like we've mentioned, I've got mentors that are very deeply in the sales arena. So I, I'm one of those marketers that has mentors beating me over the head, reminding me, as one of them once told me, marketers are just salespeople that can't, that can't sell. Ooh. <laughs> I thought it was I, uh, I think it's funny. My, my, my wife ran a marketing company, so I'll, I'll be sure to tell her that. <laughs> I didn't say it. I'm quoting somebody. <laughs> just <laughs> but one of the things that I'm seeing more and more that is increasing effectiveness is what I call true sales and marketing collaboration. Not this crap of, hey, corporate stances, we're all collaborating and work, working together. But really almost, not almost, really getting into that account-based marketing strategy where your marketing team, and I'm not talking, and this is where I want to differentiate. I'm not talking about your marketing team writing your outbound emails. If your marketing team is writing your outbound emails as a marketer, let me tell you, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, so true. That they shouldn't even be involved. But outside of that, kind of taking this omni-channel approach from a more macro standpoint, whether it's advertising, whether it's, you know, thinking from a, a lot of different approaches, have you seen any data or any indication that there, there are accelerators whenever you get that kind of collaboration? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, right? It's sort of like, you know, look at the car companies. When engineering and manufacturing started talking to each other, they built better cars. It yeah. wasn't engineering throwing the blueprints down a hatch and saying, okay, manufacturing, figure out what to do, right? Right, right. Brent, when I got married, right, the, um, the pastor at the altar said, ladies and gentlemen, sales and marketing, get in together. Who would have thought? He actually said that. <laughs> That I, is I, awesome. <laughs> I, could, I could tell you companies off the top of my head where the sales and marketing folks, I mean, and it was a healthy debate. The marketing people say, we want to do this. Sales people say, well, you want to do that. Then we have to do this. There was a healthy debate because no one's got the right answer. Yeah. Sales people typically need to generate leads. Marketing people typically want to validate that we're number one, we're great. Those are two different parts of the sales process. Yeah. So, that's why people read car brochures more after they buy the car. They want to be validated that they're doing the right yes. thing. We're number one. We're great. I don't care about you. The best sales call in the world, Brett, is where the buyer goes, I've been heard. I've been yeah. heard. So once they've been heard and go, wow, you guys are pretty good, then bring the marketing stuff, the case studies and everything else to help me validate I'm making a good decision. Yeah. But that, that get somebody interested, create curiosity, that type of stuff. Right, right. That, that, that's a different muscle. I, I love this. And that's, if you're not taking notes at this point, unless you're driving, you need to be. Um, but let me, let me ask this. One of the things that I have seen um, that has had varying degrees of success, and I'm, I feel very mixed about this. So I'd love to hear what you've seen and what you've seen data wise is supplying sales teams, especially on the, the sales development side, 
with customer focused scripts. And I, I feel very flip. I'm like, like I said, I'm 50 50 on scripts because I feel like you get those that are just like robotically reading it. But one of the things I've noticed is that for especially younger, whether it's maturity or age, sales development people, I've noticed that it helps overcome a little bit of that fear of the unknown. Like, hey, I'm going to say this blurb in one way or another based on the research that I've done. And if they hang up on me, they hang up on me. And I've known what to say. So what is your take on giving those scripts out to your on the development side? I'm, I'm a big fan of scripts. As long as, number one, they're tailored. And two, the salesperson can put their personality behind them. Because how I would read a script and how you would be a script, you got to let me be me. You just yeah. don't want me to read it. We just did some work this morning for a company that market share is everything. To their customer base, if you say the word, you know, this will also help you in your market share, you get everybody's attention. Yeah. Well, that's homework based on a persona, based on an industry. So yeah. if I use prospecting or outbounding and I use market share, I'm going to get somebody's attention because they treat it so religiously in that industry niche. Yeah. So I love scripts to help me put keywords in there, things that are important to those those typical buyers. You know, I, I ran into a company that actually sells to CAOs, chief audit officers. I didn't know there was one. So, um, but if you look up CAO magazine, you can find out what's hot, what's really important. And those are the things that should be in your emails. Yeah. So give people scripts or, or keywords and phrases that they can use because without it, they're going to treat everybody the same. And that's going to come across as, as, you know, I, I dear Bill or Dill, you know, John. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, and misspelled too. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to mention and, and I was like, I was, when I was reading your book and I'm sitting here flipping to the page and I'm not sure why I'm even doing it. So I've got it in my head, but you talk a little bit in the very beginning of the book um, about an interesting thing that I've seen lately. And it's this, you've got the sales and marketing dichotomy, um, which I think is, you know, we need to do away with, but we've in recent years, we now have this new dichotomy of SDR versus AE or BDR, whatever term you want to use. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of, is this compartmentalization, almost a siloing of the sales process of you've got the sales development team and they do ABC, whether it's their outbounding or inbounding or, or some combination of the two. And then you've got the AEs who may not have done any outbounding in years <laughs> or uh, I'll say months. Now it's coming, turning into years. Yeah. What is your view of that process? I would love to, to get that. And then, you know, even if we've got like an SDR AE split, should we be focusing on making sure that our AEs are full cycle? And should we be training the SDRs on the opposite side of the process? I, would, I know that was like three questions in one. But. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, Brett, the answer is it depends. We do obviously a lot of work in the SDR, BDR area. Most yeah. of our stuff is in the AE area, but obviously without bonding, we're doing a lot more. And it depends. Some groups have their SDRs and BDRs take it up to, do you walk and chew gum and flip it over? Some do great qualification skill sets. Do you have a budget or something? And then flip it over. Some, if it's under 10 grand or something, let them take it all the way through. Yeah. So it depends on what the goals of the organization are. I love to look at things from the customer perspective. Yeah. Right. If you're an SDR and I start building rapport with you and you go, listen, I'm going to hand you off to somebody who's an AE. I'm going to feel rejected because I built my rapport with you. Yes. But if it's a high enough dollar amount or 
it's engaging from a um, uh, experience position or there's a lot of complication involved. Hey, I'm a new person here. I'm going to turn you over to a senior person. It's yeah. like when you when you book an airline reservation, if you remember how to do that, you know, they go, <laughs> they said, I have to turn you over to an expert in, this, in the international area. I yeah. feel better because I'm being flipped over to an expert. Yeah. Why do we have SDRs and AE, SDRs, BDRs in the first place? Because they're half the price of an AE and they can generate leads. So I don't have to spend that kind of money they have my AE prospecting. Yeah. I, mean, I get it. Every good organization, Brent, that I've seen has AEs additionally going after golden nuggets. Yes. Going above the line only, you know, C-suite only, and taking down certain areas, their, their, their different divisions and their current customers or whatever else. Yeah. The, the big boy, big girl outbounding, AEs have got to do. That's the price of admission. Yeah. Because most SDR leads you're going to get are well below the line. The assistant yeah. manager of IT services in you know Georgia <laughs> or whatever. So it's not going to be the, the CIO or the CTO, which if I'm a good AE, that's where I want to get to. Well, yeah. if you start with six you know movements below that person, you got to work your way up and take your time. And by that time, somebody else has gotten the order. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. So you know, if you're going to have the BDRs, SDRs, I read a great article years ago, Brett, that nurses don't want to be doctors. It's like an SDR may not want to be an AE. They may yeah. like what they're doing right there. Make that a career position. Yeah. But but always look from the customer first. What yeah. do our customers want at, based upon the market we're going after, the dollar volume and stuff and so on? And then you can sit back and say, well, our BDRs are also going to be our upsell team or our BDRs also could be our renewal team or yeah. however you want to do it. But it, it's going to be depending. But you're right. It, as you said in the beginning, they got to work together. You just can't do this blind flipping because yeah. the customer usually loses at those blind flips. Yeah. And I've seen that. I mean, I've even been on the customer side of that blind flip. And I, frankly, I mean, I've had now, you know, obviously I'm not signing seven figure contracts to purchase things for myself yet when it comes to software. <laughs> but um, maybe there will come a day when I want that. But yeah, the you know, for me, I've, I've been on that end where I'm like, no, I don't want to talk to somebody else. Will you just take my credit card Yeah, right. for the love of God? And then they're no, no, I need to get you to this other person. And I'm like, God, how stupid is this? Yeah. And 500 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever else. Why are you flipping that lead? I mean, exactly. come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, it, it's a whole different thing. So we're, we're starting to approach the half hour mark here. So I want to, the one, the one question that I, frankly, I was, I had planned on starting with, but now I guess we're <laughs> going to start to end with it because this has been such a great conversation is obviously, like you said, you started this process of focusing in on outbound pre pandemic. And now we're in this world where it, everything looks the same, but it also looks different. <laughs> yeah. And obviously the phone is much more important. I, I'll, I think I've, I'll share with you maybe afterwards a funny story of something that happened in the beginning of the quarantine period. But we're seeing more and more that digital and phone right now, at least, while people are still getting their confidence back of letting people yeah. come and see them. Um, what have you seen that's changed in the outbound environment since the pandemic and even maybe in recent months? Well, what's interesting is I, I went under contract to write the book in, in uh, December of last year, <laughs> two years ago. And through the publishing process, it didn't get published until November of last year. So I was able to take 
the time and actually send in updates because it hadn't gone to print yet. It was still just being under review. So I didn't know we I got a new publisher. It took them a while to actually publish it. And so I was able to update it during the pandemic. So the, yeah. some of the stuff pandemic smarts is in the book, which is great. Yeah. Um, before pandemic, you could never call somebody's cell phone. Yeah. Now it's, now it's a default. Yeah. Right. Number yeah. two, when the person on the cell phone looks and sees a number they don't know and they answer it, they're not busy. They're not busy. So when the objection comes and says, I'm busy right now, you can call them out on it. Then why'd you take the, I mean, you could, so they're not busy, right? Yeah. Social still is strong. Video is strong, yeah. but, but sending video via email is not. No one's opening up because they think it's malware. Yeah. Sending emails and video through like LinkedIn, people open them up because they think it's already been checked out. There's no malware. Yeah. So look at all the different tools that are out there. One of my favorites is voicemails dead. No, it's not. Have you ever tried a directional voicemail? Hi, John. This is Skip from ABC. Hey, I sent you an email yesterday. Uh, don't worry. I'll send it again. Especially the second page of the attachment I sent you is solid. You should look at that. The guy's going to go, what email? What's page two? It's going <laughs> to cause curiosity. So directional voicemails. Hi, call me back. You'll never get a call back. But using yeah. them to tell people what to do, giving them some direction, it works. So the tools are there. They've just been modified for this pandemic area because there are no donut drops. There are no office walking halls, right? Hall yeah. walkings. So, and I think we described that pretty well in the book. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So again, coming back to it, I was sitting here, I was like, what did I do with it? I've set my notebook on top of it. <laughs> I've been taking notes. <laughs> coming back, I mean, again, if you're in the business development realm, and, and here's the reality. I know I've got a lot of people that are that specialize in marketing. Read this book, okay? As, as a marketer myself, and what I'm telling you is by going through this book that Skip has, has gone, he's gone through so many of the tactics and the mindsets behind this, you're going to find yourself into a in a position, especially if you're a leader, where you can help bridge that gap between your marketing team and your sales team so much easier because you're going to understand a little bit better of where they're coming from. So go through and I encourage you, regardless of where you're at in the business development cycle, pick up this book. It's Again, it's getoutbounding.com. I'll put it in all the comments and I'll put it in all the show notes for those of you who are listening via podcast. Um, but with that, so Skip, tell us a little bit about how somebody other than the book, how somebody can come more directly to you and maybe they want you to come in and help them get this outbounding culture better in their own in their own organization sure so one read the book two m3 learning stands for miller and his three kids m3learning.com get on uh, online options and i've put together a series of five or six two three minute videos for free so <laughs> they could they could see different tools and stuff and so on for free if that's good i've got a 60 video course that takes it's like two hours of the video i think it's a couple hundred bucks to take or drop me an email and we do we do a, a, a bdr sdr and an ae outbound session it's like three or four 90 minute sessions and we can do it live with your folks on, over zoom works really well that's awesome so again if you're in the process of either building or now rebuilding this culture um, make sure at the very least pick up Skip's book. Like I said, I'm telling you, you're going to thank me for telling you to pick up this book and then go through, I mean, my God, free, free trainings directly from Skip Miller himself. Go to his website, pick it up. M3learning.com. We'll have links for that. 
Um, and with that, we'll go ahead and start close out. Skip, if you'll hang out for just a minute, I'll go ahead and close us out and get us ready for next week. Super. Thanks again. Thanks for the time, Brett. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you for coming on. So again, everybody, you'll see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen right now. Getoutbounding.com. That takes you directly to Amazon and you'll be able to pick up Skip's book. Um, Again, outbounding. When new customers with outbound sales and end your dependence on inbound leads. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of inbound leads, but if you don't have the outbound, then you're missing out on an enormous piece, just like what Skip's talking about. So with that, um, we will be live Monday. That is, believe it or not, May the 17th. We will be live at 2 p.m. Eastern and we will be live with Kimberly Weifling and she will be here. Um, we'll be discussing the culture that you're building within within your organization. So make sure to tune in then again, Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern. And until then, I'm just here to keep reminding you, either give value or don't even bother.